Next week, much of the religious world professing Christianity is going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ known as Easter. And I want you to know that we will in, in the same way. And yet not in the same way. You see, every Lord's Day, every one of us, we, when we get together, we remember the death of our Lord, right? We partook of what we call the Supper this morning. We remembered and commemorate His death. But that death, as we have known, was not but a temporary matter. Because He raised from the dead. And you see, it's that resurrection that allows us to have great joy and great hope in the walk that we have with our Lord. And so every week we partake of this Lord's Supper and it should never become ceremonious and, and old and just something that you just do. That's what you're supposed to do. Man, it should be a great opportunity for us when we come into fellowship with one another. When we participate in remembering that death. And I know there are brethren, some brethren say you only focus on the death because that's all that the scriptures talk about. I'm telling you, it's inherent within the death of Christ that he rose from the dead. It's inherent. You cannot help but rejoice. And it cannot help but give you, at least it does for me, great hope. I'm telling you right now, without the resurrection, we don't have that hope for us to be with God, to see him. Face to face, so to speak. And so when we're talking about these things, I believe it's important that while we remember our Savior's resurrection, we should also remember our own. This morning when I forget if it was Jim or someone was talking about during the Lord's Supper, just, you know, the purpose of being here. Maybe it was Richard. And the purpose for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, I'll tell you right now. With him being raised from the dead, in and of itself, it means nothing unless it's a first fruit for us of what's going to happen to us when we get to see him, that we're going to be raised and to be with him. Man, that, that's why I have great joy. That's why I walk in the Lord and, and have a genuine, sincere faith to glorify him. Without that. I'll tell you, my selfishness would take over and I would have no personally, and I, I can't speak for you, but for me, I, I wouldn't be here. But it's because of the Lord and because he was raised from the dead and the promise that God gave Mitch Davis and everyone in this world, the same promise that just as he raised Jesus from the dead, so too those of us that is coming. That gives me a great joy to be here and a great joy to magnify his name. And I want you to understand that same thing. After all, that's God's way of giving us that hope for our own. His resurrection, if you will. And the reward then is our resurrection that we get to be with Him. And when all that is said and done, when we're finally face to face with our God, we'll have no other desire. And I know that's hard for our earthly minds if it's on the flesh to understand that. I understand that, you know, because when I was younger in the Lord, even while preaching the gospel in the first couple of years, now mind you, I was still a babe in Christ. But I used to think, is it all we're going to do is just sing praises and magnify the name of God? The flesh is coming out. It was kind of boring, actually. And I cannot think of anything better to do today. I really cannot. That is the epitome of our existence 
when we are face to face with our God, when we're surrounding the throne of our God, we will see him and we will praise his name for eternity. And so the thing that I'm wanting us to understand is that it is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The reason why every year from a amazing 400 year, right? This is the 400th year anniversary of the King James Bible. And you got all kinds, whether it's newspaper articles or articles from various quote unquote biblical journals and what have you that are making this celebration. And it is, in fact, the greatest day from a standpoint. The irony of ironies is that it was from a mistranslation. In fact, they just wrong translation when they translated that word for Passover into what we now have in our King James translation for Easter. But that aside, it's still a great day. It's a day in which our Savior rose from the dead. It's the greatest day in the history of this world. Did you know that? You see, we can go back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and we can realize that, you know, God said after he created the heavens and the earth and everything within it that he said, it is very good. But you see, that was the beginning. The beginning is almost like here and until you get to that crescendo, that beginning has no comparison to that crescendo. And when we talk about Christ being the fulfillment of all things, the end of all things, that's the concept that we have. And that beginning was just an amazing beginning to show us how great our God is in, in his creation work and the beginning of understanding who he is. But it was to bring us to Christ. We can read Galatians chapter 3 that teaches us these things. But that beginning is just that. It's just the beginning. Christ being raised from the dead is the pinnacle of our existence and belief for what gives us this hope. It's greater even then, Jesus Christ coming into this world and taking on flesh. You see, because that's just part of the process. He had to. That's God's design will, His eternal purpose that you can read of in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. When He came on and took flesh, it was an amazing thing. The historical events behind that birth and behind His walk and the life that He lived and, and all that teaching that he did all that is wonderful and it's amazing and in many ways it is miraculous but even that pales in comparison to the fact that he was raised or was risen from the dead and so it is in fact the greatest manifestation of god's love it is the greatest event in the history of mankind that's my position and i feel very strong about that position it is why we're here this morning it is the conviction that allows us to even face death with happiness. Knowing that someday, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so will I. I hope that's the same for you. And so it's this resurrection that gives us this hope. And, and the thing too is that just as through Christ we also have this hope, we can have that because of that promise. When I go back to the Old Testament Scriptures and you go back in your mind's eye through that Rolodex of, of all the events, hundreds of events in, in God's Word, and look at the promises that have been made. Genesis chapter 3, after man had sinned against God, what was his promise? It seemed kind of vague, right? Something about a hill and something about a head, you remember that? <laughs> well, he's brought it to pass. When you read about that curse, if you will, upon the serpent, he brought that to pass. 
His head has been crushed. That's what we have. When you go further on in Scripture and read in Genesis chapter 12 or Genesis chapter 15 or 17 or later on in chapter 21 following and you read of the promise that God gave to Abraham and later on in chapter 25 and then going on past from Isaac into Jacob and the promise was given to him and his descendants that he was going to bring his people, his nation, his chosen ones. Not that they were great, not that they were righteous, but that he would make them their people and even a stubborn people he chose as his own. He fulfilled this promise. And you go on further in Scripture and you read just before Israel is entering into the land of Canaan. He says to them, remember all that I've done? I'm going to bring you into this land. Fulfill the promise. But ultimately, the promise has been given to us. That God so loved this world that He gave us His Son, His only begotten. That all who would believe upon His name would not perish, but have everlasting life. Man, that... He doesn't get any better. Brethren, that resurrection is so important to our faith. Is As I preached in a sermon on the resurrection some months ago, it is fundamental to our walk. It is fundamental to the core of who we are and what we believe in. When Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me, that denounces all other religions, like the ones we've been talking about this morning on Islamic faith, or in Hinduism. Or when we talk about other areas promoting a different gospel in the name of Christianity. But when we abide in Him, for Him, we have this promise. And that gives us hope. It gives hope to someone like our wonderful brother, Jimmy. We don't know what's going to happen to our brother. But guess what? We all come and we all go, right? Whether it's a young child, which in our neighborhood over this weekend was killed in an auto accident. To someone who can live 114 years old like this man who was known to be the oldest man on earth. Eventually we go. But where we go is based upon a promise that God has given to us. Is it based upon this faith that we have, that we can be with our God with great joy, look forward to that day. Last week, I believe it was, the church at Rolling Hills uh, had a brother in Christ, Gary Henry, who preaches up here in Nashville. And, and he was preaching on this very point of, you know, do we look forward to being with our God in heaven? Or do we say to our God, heaven is great, it's wonderful, it's all that, but... I so long to have all these experiences here in life. And then when I've fulfilled my joy here in this world, then I get to be with you. Well, which is better? We just went through a study in Philippians, right? Remember what Paul said as he's weighing whether to be with his brethren or to be with Christ? To be with you is needful, he said. To be with Christ is gain. He knew that he'd rather be with his Father in heaven. How much do we want to be with our God? It doesn't mean you love your family any less if you say, yes, you want to be with God right now. In fact, in many ways, you should love your family even more. 
while you have the time to be with your brothers and sisters and mom and your dad and your sons and daughters and family and friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, we should love one another in such a manner as been shown to us. But does this promise that God has given to us, that He gave us His Son, cause us to long to be with Him? That we look forward to that day we can be face to face with Him? I'm telling you right now, that's what changes your walk. It turns your life upside down when you can walk that way. Brethren, when you, when you fear death, it's the flesh talking. When you don't look forward to seeing your God face to face because it's the unknown, you don't have the, the glasses of faith on right now. And I'm telling you to take courage. Look in God's Word, take courage, and realize that when you're in Christ, you have the promise assured you. We need to live that way. That doesn't mean you walk contrary to His will. It means that while you're walking in the light, nothing can separate you from your, from your God or your Savior. Romans chapter 8, verse 20 to 31 makes that very clear for us. And so we have every reason to believe that just as our Father raised Him from the dead, Romans chapter 8, verse 11 tells us, so shall we. So where's your hope? Where does it rest? Is it in something that is vague and it's based upon some readings in the Bible and, you know, every once in a while I'll pick it up and I might read it? Or is it a conviction that you have by faith that moves you to, to do the things that you do, to say the things you say to those who are in the body of Christ and those who are outside? I tell you, sometimes, brethren, this is my eyes and what I see. We act like there is no heaven because of the way we might treat one another or we treat people in this world. We behave in such a manner as contrary to the very convictions that are preached in the pulpit or stated in Bible classes. And it ought to be that this resurrection manifests a change in how we think, the way we speak to each other, the way we deal with one another because of this hope that we have. I'm telling you as well that while we have never seen our God, we can read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15 and verse 16, Exodus 33, verse 20. No one has seen the Father. John chapter, was it, 14, verse 9, I believe. We've not seen the Father. But he says to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Or as John chapter 6 tells us, no man has ever seen the Father. Well, we've never seen Him face to face, but I'll tell you what, by faith we do. You know, like last week when we looked at that carving, building character into our children, that, that others can see Christ in us. I mean, we know we don't know what a literal picture is of our Savior, and naturally we don't have a, a literal picture of what God looks like, let alone that big old hands coming down from, from the heavens. We don't know what... What we shall be like. But when we see Him, we'll be just like Him. And what an amazing day. I've had people ask me, what are we going to look like? I said, I don't know. Read 1 Corinthians 15. Even then, I still don't, not quite sure. <laughs> We're going to have an immortal body. I don't know what all that entails. All I know is, no more having to do this with my neck, <laughs> like that with the back and all that. Do I get teased from some? <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing. No pain. No cancer, 
no heartaches. And I don't know how God is going to make it work. I've had brethren discuss that. I've discussed it with them. But I'm glad that it will. I'm glad it's going to happen. I'm glad it's going to be a reality. But while we're here on earth, do you know that you can see your God? By faith. Through the eyes of faith, you can see Him. You know what He looks like? An awesome God. The one that we sang, whose name is Exalted. That's what Ryan led us in song, right? And our eyes have not seen Him in in such a manner, but by faith we do. Our hands can behold Him by faith. Our eyes can behold Him by faith. Our heart can be stirred up with love. Just like Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 talks about. Toward one another, when we can see Him face to face, when, when we walk with Him side by side. Brethren, that should change the way you live. It should change the way you speak to each other and to your co-workers, to your family members, those outside the body of Christ. Because of this. Because you see Him face to face. He is, as Hebrews 1, well, verses 1 through 2, in fact, verse 3, the very express image, our Savior is the express image of our God. We can see that express image when we see our Savior in whom we believe, in whom we're willing to die for. And I hope, brethren, you're willing to die for Him. Literally. I hope you're willing to go down to your grave confessing that He is the Christ. No matter at what cost. That's the kind of vision, if you will, that lives by faith. That's the kind of vision that rejoices in the Lord no matter what the circumstances are. That's the kind of vision that gives you peace. So that things that would cause others to be anxious just rolls off your shoulder, so to speak. And it's not to say that you're not full of trials, that you're not filled with tests that come in various ways, in various sorts. But you consider it joy when you fall into those various trials. You see what it does for your life. So my question to you is, do you want to see Him? I believe in some ways you can, right now. But it's only through the eyes of faith. And Romans chapter 6, when you read chapter 6, tells us that, you know, those who are baptized into Christ are baptized into His death, right? And verse 4 following, that when we are raised up from that baptism, we're raised to walk in newness of life. Well, guess what? Isn't that a foreshadowing of that resurrection, the true resurrection that we're going to be faced with someday? That's what that is. It's a foreshadowing of such. So that when we die to sin, put that old man of sin to death, and we raise up out of that watery grave, out of that pure conscience, that by faith we believe Jesus to be the Christ, guess what happens? By faith you see Christ because you're raised from dead. You're now walking in newness of life. And I'm telling you, it's preparing you for the true resurrection. Then whether we are caught up to be with our our Savior in the clouds, or whether we are raised up from the grave, so to speak, we're going to see Him face to face. And are you ready for that day? Are you ready for that wonderful day where you can see Him face to face? 